there is hope for us yet. We are young, we are I am Laura McCowan, and I am Holly Whitaker. There's like a beeping in your background. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I love that's always my answer. (laughs) But it's like early there. What can be happening at 6 a.m.? The same thing that happens at 1 a.m., that happens at 2 a.m., that happens at 3 a.m., that happens at 4 a.m. For some reason, James Brown plays all night long here. Speak. What? <laughs> people, people really? there's a lot of people um, have boom boxes with them um, at all times. and Or like some sort that. of... It is great. Um, like sometimes there'll just be like some, I don't know, Jackson 5 song. But then sometimes that'll be replayed over and over again. It's nice when yeah, you're on fine. the street and, it's, and you're walking by and some guy is really happy and he's listening to music and then... Sometimes when you're in your apartment and you're trying to report a, a podcast and, or it's really, yeah. yeah, anyway. So, so hey, we never even said this is home podcast, which is totally fine. <laughs> oh, like, well, like, do you think people know that this is the home podcast? I think they know. <laughs> if, if they click play, they probably know where they landed. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if the people don't know what they're listening to? Uh, how are you? It's r- early great. here. It's 9 a.m. there. You're great. It's your first yeah, day of freedom. Does it feel different? Yeah, it does today. Because you're like not going to work on Monday. No, I'm not. And I had, yeah, I slept in and... Alma and I just <laughs> till when seven? Well, eight. I mean, that's sleeping in it though. Is. You know, like know, mentally, exactly. when you know you don't need to get up, it's for some reason. If I, even if I wake up at the same time, knowing that I don't have to, feels like sleeping, sleeping in. in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a it's a mental thing, and I, yeah, I do feel different today. I really do. That's great. Awesome. What do you think is going to happen on Monday, like when you don't have to go into work? I don't know yet. I have literally made no plan for Monday on purpose. Good. That might be bad. It might not be bad. I don't know. But I I don't think so. I'm going <clears> to <throat> – I gave myself permission to let next week be my oh. um, map it. What? I think that's I, – I love that like it's one week. I, I mean, I had like – I, I'm going to give myself Monday to just be unemployed. I took like, I took so much time. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I know I, I don't have, I, I have stuff I want to do, you know, and really like excited to do. I know you did too, but I just, um, I don't know, maybe one week will turn into more. I mean, I'm excited to figure out my yoga schedule and map out some classes and do mm. figure out my meeting schedule and fa- and map out those and be outside and also figure out my like I'm excited to really write a bunch. I mean, yeah. I I feel like I I'm um a like the rubber band is really tight <laughs> around my writing muscle right now and I 
I've saved up all this stuff and have all this energy for it and it's ready to go. Um, so I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, I um No, I really wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> sure you'll, sure you'll hear about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I really like I'm really trying to think. For me, I was so I was so tired. I was just so tired mm-hmm. and I just um and I jumped I did jump right into it and I did start that was also awesome like going to yoga classes during the middle of the day and like walking to them because I had time to like do the half yeah. hour walk to them and yeah. um yeah but it's really funny you said something in there and we'll move on after this but I love this like um have you ever read that book things that white people like no <laughs> no <laughs> stuff white people like, <laughs> like no I've even heard of it. Uh, it's it's awesome. They like it's just like it's such a. Um, I read it when I was living in San Francisco in like 2009, and it was just like you know farmers markets and um, anyway. Yeah, right. And um, but like white people really like being outside, and they also really like <laughs> making other people feel guilty for not wanting to be outside. And I'm one of those people that's just like I do love being out. Like believe me, I do. But I'm also not one of those people that like wakes up every day and like I'm like oh I can't wait to get outside. And yeah. um and then also white people like that whole thing about making other people feel guilty whenever I like would be working on a weekend and somebody would email me and say you should really get outside it's beautiful I would say like do you have this book and they inevitably would have this book and I would tell them what chapter to flip to and tell them to f off anyway but you're one of those people that that goes outside I'm so white I'm so white it's not even funny yeah me too I'm the whitest white girl around I have no shame about it no you shouldn't you shouldn't I just think it's funny. It just really is that we have that that very big difference of you're one of those people that, you know, loves oh, being yeah. outside. I'm like, look at what I did. I, I would, you know, like every time I go do it. And it's the same running path, but I still look <laughs> at the picture. I'm like, look where I am. <laughs> I'm outside. Um, awesome. So let's get into it we're doing a letter today and you are it's one that came into you this time and you're gonna read it yeah okay so the letter is titled yoga retreat with line oaks uh good morning this is a bit of a long rant but i wanted to share this with you and gain your perspective if you have time I was attending a yoga treat for the weekend, and I learned a lot more than I had set out to. Over the past year, I've used yoga and meditation to aid in my recovery, and I've associated new sober life with yoga. Prior to the retreat, there was an email sent out with all the info, including what to bring, a schedule, etc. When I read the part about bring a bottle of wine if you would like to have some drinks in the evening, I immediately felt disappointed. I have no problem having dinner with friends and being in their company while they have drinks, but I had the expectation where I felt that going to a yoga retreat means the company of like-minded people that were putting their bodies and hearts first. In the evenings, everyone else was drinking wine and being obnoxious and loud. I sat with them for a bit, but I just couldn't handle being in this space. I didn't want to drink, 
I wasn't feeling left out, but I was annoyed. I wanted to share with them how I feel about alcohol, but I recognize that they wouldn't necessarily wanted to hear how I feel about it. I have a hard time with small talk and being in the company of people that aren't being true to themselves and being fake. Am I just being judgmental? Isn't the only important thing that I be true to myself? I spent the evening alone and enjoyed the outdoor sauna and a walk in the woods. I read, listened to the latest home podcasts, meditated, and slept well. When I woke up to practice meditating at 545, I had another expectation that it would be peaceful and clean and that magical morning light would come in through the windows of the studio. Instead, there was empty wine bottles and dozens of wine glasses with that caked on red wine from the night before spread all throughout the common space. I had to move a bottle aside bottle to I had to move a bottle to slide open the door to the studio how much more of a sign do I need it all seems like such a lesson for me to learn but I'm not quite sure what the lesson is I had a nice practice and tried not to judge everyone when they woke or at breakfast I found it hard to listen to the teachers or respect them after hearing them the evening before it seemed as if all the healthy organic food that was prepared was just taken for granted by them, or the breathing and yoga and heart work ruined by the drinking. I know this is all my shit and not theirs. When I got home, my husband asked me how the retreat was, and I said it sucked and was pretty sulky. He laughed like he does and just smiled at me, saying he thinks I learned more than I wanted and needed that experience more than a good yoga class. Was I wrong to assume that a retreat would be without booze, and should I reach out to the teacher and tell her how I feel? I would greatly appreciate some words from you on this. <laughs> <laughs> I love this letter. Oh, my God. So I do, too. I think it's great. I think it's it explores so much different great, great stuff that I mm-hmm. can't wait to talk about. Why don't you go first? Um, okay, so I have a lot of points. I mean, I have like four or five different points. Um, okay. So do you want me to just go one back, go through a couple and then give it to you because you have one long point? Or what do you think? Just, I mean, go through until it feels like a natural point to stop if you want or keep going. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I guess I'll say the first two things I want to say are um, is alcohol in our culture? You know, it's a big leap to get to where this where this listener is at, where this listener, reader, whatever. It's it's a really big leap to get to where this woman is at, and it's also a very big leap to get to to where most of our listeners are at, which is to start to really look at our society's relationship with alcohol. And for a lot of us, prior to this, prior to us um, coming to our own realization no matter how we got there, we didn't see it either. And and I know I didn't. I thought it was highly normal to go to a baby shower where the honoree was, you know, the woman we were celebrating couldn't drink and get drunk. And, um, and I would have never thought twice about going to a retreat and, and seeing alcohol there. I mean, it would have seemed odd, I think on some level, but also at the same time, I, you know, I had a lot of friends that were yoga t- teachers that I used to drink with. And mm-hmm. and so I just think the the first thing that came to mind was that, that, that this is, it really is, it is such a leap to get there. And the other thing 
it really struck me about this was um, was something that I think maybe we don't really really like necessarily think about but you know, yoga is a path of seeking people that find yeah. themselves on a meditation pillow and find themselves on a yoga mat tend to be seekers in the first place and how they get there um, may they may end up on that yoga mat like I did and like you did or that meditation pillow while they're still drinking right oh, yeah. so a lot of people a lot of people I've worked with are yoga teachers you know we had that podcast with Elena Brower who was a yoga teacher for years that talked about getting high, looking for that transcendence. And so a lot of people that end up at a yoga retreat or, or doing this kind of stuff, they either get there, you know, I, there's there's usually two ways. It's either before you quit drinking because you just happen to be that type of person that's seeking that transcendence and seeking something more um, or you're stressed or for whatever reason, or you get there as part of your recovery and you find it afterwards. And so you, when you're in that pool of people, you are finding yourself in a group of people that most likely have the tendency towards looking for something to escape um, and, and something heavy to escape. And so I've found a lot of people in that arena tend to either have a history of it or um, or are still struggling with it. Um, and and so I think it's common and I think it's also concentrated. And so those are yes. you know those are kind of the two first things that I would say, which is that I wasn't surprised. I really honestly wasn't surprised by it just because of what I know being in the yoga community, meditation community for a long time. Um, it just it tends to go a little hand in hand and sometimes for like sometimes you know the carts before the horse and sometimes it's not um mm-hmm. if that if that makes sense so that's where that's kind of where I'll stop which was I, I wasn't surprised yeah. um and then I guess like the third little point I'll put into that goes along with this is that one of my one of my yoga teachers um Stephanie Snyder um, says, you know, like she's vegetarian and in a lot of the teachings there's, you know, don't eat meat, don't drink, don't blah, blah, blah. And, um, and she says, you know, like the meat eaters, like though, like, but like we were talking about whether it was okay to eat meat and be a yoga teacher. And she was like, well, sometimes the meat eaters need a yoga teacher, you know? And so, and it kind of goes in the same, which is that yoga teachers come in all flavors, all shapes and sizes. And some eat meat, some don't eat meat, some drink, some don't drink, some, you know, smoke pot, some don't, you know. There's a whole bunch of, um, there's a whole rainbow <laughs> of teachers yeah, yeah. that do, that, in, that engage in different activities and that some would never. So so that's where I'll leave it um, and yeah. hand it over to you. I love that. And I'll react to that a little bit before I get into my own points because I, I found the same thing in terms of um, I did my yoga teacher training when I uh, when I was pregnant, my yeah. first one when I was pregnant. And so I wasn't drinking, but I was very much uh, affected by being by that not drinking. You know, alcohol mm-hmm. is a huge part of my life. Um and there was a lot of people in my in my t- first teacher training that struggled with uh, addictions, mm-hmm. and I found it fascinating. You know, I I had that thing in the back of my head for sure. I thought my bigger problem was my relationship, my marriage, uh, and you know, it was it, that was real too. 
but um, that was that was certainly my my alcohol challenge and problem was still very very much in the back of my mind. I just wasn't able to talk about it yet. But I remember um, my teacher David Vendetti saying, <clears throat> you know, we always we basically what you said. Uh, people land here for all kinds of reasons. Usually, though, and part of the reason we're drawn to it is that there people on that get into yoga and especially into a teacher training setting where you're going deeper are seeking, you know, or you're going to a retreat are seeking. And I think that's one of the draws to it. It's one of the big draws is it allows you to go deeper and to, you know, kind of tell the truth to yourself on the mat. I mean, I feel like I met myself on my yoga mat (laughs) for the first time. So people come in there with all kinds of problems. I, you know, I don't think, and this is not what you were saying at all, but I don't think everybody is, um, or even maybe a vast majority of people come to yoga with sobriety, you know, addiction issues. But I think it's one of the big things that we all face, right? And uh, one of the big obstacles, and I think you're total, the, the word that you said that's great is concentration. There seems to be a concentration of people that, um, that face these things in the yoga path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's not to say that those, the women that were drinking have a problem, uh, at all. It's just, it's just, um, zero surprising. I, I totally agree. And I wouldn't have thought it was weird. In fact, I probably wouldn't have gone to a yoga retreat that where there wasn't (laughs) wine involved. Oh my God. Truly. I wouldn't have gone just like I didn't go to showers and I didn't go to birthday parties because, um, that would be, that would be torture. So well, it's, it's a little, it is a little, that part is a little surprise. I will say that part is a little surprising that it, that like there's a yoga retreat and then it throws in, bring your wine. I, I thought yeah. that was, um, I did think that was odd and, and you're, and you're right. I would have kind of been a little trepidatious. Like what, who's putting this on? Do- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So. So I thought of, this made me think of um, a part, I always go to Pema, but it made me think of a part in her book called uh, Of When Things Fall Apart. And it's a part of the book that's about obstacles, like inner obstacles that we face and and outer obstacles that we face uh, on any path. And I heard two things in the letter. I heard the frustration of the situation that was actually happening and her expectation of what it was going to be versus what it turned out to be. And the, the outward obstacles, you know, the, the fact that there were people there who were drinking and it felt like that, like it was an attack on her. And then I heard the inner, inner obstacles too, which is sort of her story that she's telling herself about it, that, that sucks, you know, and that hurts. Um, so I would just want to read this little part of the book because it's it describes this so much better than than I could, and then I'll and then I'll talk about it. Um, so it says, my understanding is that uh, what we habitually regard as obstacles are not really enemies, but rather our friends. What we call obstacles are really the way the world and our entire experience teaches us where we're stuck. They may appear to be an arrow or a sword where we can actually experience a flower. 
Whether we experience what happens to us as an obstacle or an enemy or as a teacher and a friend depends entirely on our perception of reality. It depends on our relationship with ourselves. The teaching tells us that our obstacles occur at the outer level in the inner level. In this context, the outer level is a sense that something or someone has harmed us, interfering with the harmony and peace we thought was ours. So, like, she thought she was going to have, you know, harmony and peace and her idea of recovery mm-hmm. um, connected to yoga. Mm-hmm. Some rascal has ruined it all. This particular mm-hmm. sense of obstacle occurs in relationships and in many other situations. We feel disappointed, harmed, confused, and attacked in a variety of ways. People have felt this way from the beginning of the time. As for the inner level of obstacle, perhaps nothing ever really attacks us except our own confusion. Perhaps there is no solid obstacle except our own need to protect ourselves from feeling touched. So I think for me that describes this experience exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like she had this expectation, which is totally fair and justified, and I would have had it too of what this experience was going to be. She paid money to do it. She's like selecting to go on a retreat to have a specific experience and to not have an experience, to not be around alcohol, to not have that be part of it. And and it was. So there's like the attack and the frustration and the disappointment of that. Yeah. And then the guard that goes up, you know, <laughs> the guard that goes up on our on an internal level about you know what not wanting to be touched there not wanting to be threatened yeah um when you say not wanting to be touched there not wanting to be threatened you mean um explain that a little bit more not wanting to be touched in that place like like, no she didn't want this to be part of her yeah, yeah she she didn't want this to be part of the thing that she was dealing with on an internal level. Like, yeah. I sense her outward frustration and then her inner, inner, inward frustration. You yeah. know, she's like, oh, am I, like, I know this is my own shit. I don't know what the lesson is. And, like, you know, sort of the, that inner struggle of, oh, I'm I'm judging myself for judging. <laughs> yeah. I'm judging myself for being frustrated. And the truth is, I'd be fucking frustrated, too. I yeah. mean, it's that reaction is totally normal and totally fine and totally valid. Um, when I, uh, my, I immediately thought of my own frustration with my mom. Um, hi, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> of <laughs> when I first quit drinking, and you know, I'll tell this because I think it's really relevant. So, my mom and I drank together she was one of my favorite drinking pals and we you know it was a really um confounding thing to be with her and you know she doesn't she doesn't have the thing or she doesn't well let me back up it was a really confounding thing to realize that a she has her own relationship with drinking and it has nothing to do with me despite her you know her being very connected to me and her being my mother and you know our entire history <laughs> together right and two that my thoughts about it 
really truly meant nothing in regards to my own path. Like they had to be separate. It didn't matter. I could be frustrated about it. I could hate it. I could be, I could think it was unfair. That was my, one of my primary thoughts. Unfair that I have to go about this path and, and she doesn't. Um, but that dialogue for me, it was, it was the most confounding and also like the biggest teaching for me in regards to how I think of other people drinking. Cause it just truly didn't matter. And my judgment of it while fair and justified and totally normal had no bearing on my own recovery path, like on my own decision not to drink. <laughs> it right. just didn't matter at the end of the day. And it doesn't matter. And that applies to everybody. And that's a really, I, my reaction to that was so strong and so, I was so pissed off about it. Um, but it was, a, it was a teacher, you know, and yeah. we get these teachers in like, you know, it's like, I don't want to go to a yoga retreat and fucking teach, be taught, you know, about this. I want to go have an experience, a transcendent, <laughs> a peaceful transcendent experience. And one that's like supporting your recovery, you know, like especially yeah. if you're in, like that's even like a double whammy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, you know, that, that's a summary of my response is, is, and I don't offer, you know, we can get into maybe advice or something, but I, I really just, the description of, I think her husband was spot on, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she opens the letter saying that too. Doesn't she open yeah. the letter saying like she learned, you know, like she was, she was essentially learning something that she, you know, what did, what did she yeah. say exactly? I, I'm, lear- she says, um. Yeah, she knows. I she I learned a lot more than I had set yeah. out to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like Zoe says, you know, the blocks are the path. It, this is the path. Like this it's unfortunate and it's frustrating to do this to do a thing that you selected to do, that you paid money for, the she probably, you know, set aside time away from her life to do and to have to be brought these lessons. Um, but I think it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Fortunately. <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree. I agree with everything that you said. And I love that passage that you, I love that passage that you, that you wrote because I love that idea of like those rascals, they ruined it. Right. And the truth is it's, it is a lot of this stuff that like we don't necessarily want to go through as we're going through it. It really teaches us, really does. It always teaches us, um, especially the more painful or the more con- like confounding things, like you said. Um, I think, um, one of the things, like one of the things that I really love that you also pointed out is that frustration with ourselves when we know, right? Like this is something that's been coming up a lot for me lately and that I'm a little sick of, which is when we know we shouldn't be reacting a certain way. And so because yeah. of that, we don't allow ourselves to actually have the reaction that we're having. Um, you know, like we have, like we talked about this last week or was that last week when, yeah, it was last week. We talked about this a little bit um, when, we, when I talked about like not being disappointed and, you know, but it's like when we kind of throw this like 
I should be feeling this way on top of what we're actually feeling. Um, and like, and it's just this, like she's going through and she's talking about something that's like a real total experience for her. That was, that was super fucking disappointing, right? Like you can take the lessons from Mm -hmm. it. You can realize that you're supposed to be in all this, but then there's also this part in there where we like get frustrated with ourselves for feeling what we're actually feeling instead of using it, you know, like as just, you know, allowing ourselves to feel like, okay, this totally sucked. Right. And there's always this, like that, like she turns it and she says, um, I, you know, like, I know, you know, I don't want to be judgy and like, I know this is my thing and not their thing, you know, and like, and like trying to make this like thing of it, um, which just like for me in the last week or so, I'm just, I'm sick. I'm sick of knowing the right thing to do. Do you know what I, like, yeah, it's a special kind of self-harm. It's a special kind of (laughs) self-harm that... Fuck that. That is well. It's it's just. I think it's just a byproduct of doing a lot of self help stuff. It is eating all the books and it knowing is. all the. You it's know, eating. It's like and, eating too much kale. That's kind of like what it is. Um. Yeah. Um. It's like Sean Corn said in, in the yoga retreat that I went to. Um. You know, you can't skip the fuck you to get to the forgive you. That's exactly like, right. That's you. Exactly you just don't skip right. that part, and you. Mm-hmm. It's a, It's cool. Like it's. It's all good for her to say. Just feel all this. I would yeah. feel the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to make that, but I thought everything you said was just perfect and wonderful. Um, I think the thing that I that I wanted to get into um, there's something there's something that's really interesting about this whole letter, and and I want to get into the whole judgmental thing um, because there's a part where she literally says, you know, let me go to it really quick. There's a part where she literally says. Um, that she doesn't want to judge and then but then she's but she is judging them right you know she's mm-hmm. saying that they're taking like she's assuming that they're taking the organic food for granted she's ta- mm-hmm. she you know she's suggesting that they're um you know that they're not that they you know that these people are not really into yoga or that on some level you know there's there's this taking for granted and and um uh and I think that there is something, you know, this is something that comes up quite a bit when we when we do this. You know, I think for me, um, I do I totally get in the place sometimes where I'm super judgmental of, of people that are drinking and I assume all sorts of things about them. But at the same time, I also um, tend to be more on the surprise side of things, I think, at this point. Because I think when we know so much about alcohol, we know so much about addiction, and especially, like, you know, I know so much about how much how it works. And whenever I see anybody, regardless of whether they have, you know, um, some sort of substance misuse problem or whatever, or they're addicted, um, or they're just, you know, they drinking a glass of wine a week, I always am really surprised for some reason. I'm surprised when I watch my mom drink a glass of wine. Surprised at what? That they do it? That people still drink, you know, because yeah. we get into this space and, and you, and all of a sudden it's just like, wait a minute, you know, like I, all, I, it's a, there's a weird surprise factor to it. When I was in yoga training, I went out to dinner with, um, a couple of girlfriends and, um, they both, you know, had a, just one glass of wine and I was just sitting there and I was like, I was, I was just, you know, I was surprised, and especially like when we get into these like other subgroups. And I, but yeah. I, but I am in general surprised at, <laughs> at drinking culture yeah. because when you stand outside of it and you kind of observe it for a while, it can be like, um, it just, it, it's crazy to me that, that this is what we do. Um, yeah. and that, you know, and highly intelligent people do it, you know, like it's just you, I think for me, it's always been more of a, um, 
just um, because it was such a it, it was such a, a over the head realization of how bad it was at the beginning. And it's like when you know something, you you know you just kind of project that shit everywhere. Anyway, right. but I wanted to talk about the judgmental part of it because I think this is such an important piece of this. Um, and I've written about this before. Um, called like because a woman wrote in to Dear Hip Sobriety and just said, "How do I stop judging drinkers?" And I, one of the like one of the beautiful things about um, about judgment um, is that whatever we hold against other people we tend to hold against ourselves. It tends to stem from the places in ourselves that we can't forgive in ourselves. And I think especially when it comes to drinking. Now, I wrote a specific piece that I want to read. Um, so I, I talked, I wrote, I responded to this letter to this woman who is judging drinkers. And I talked about a time when I was in yoga training and I was in a really, really weird relationship with one of the men that was in my yoga training with me. And yeah. I, I won't, without getting into that, I kind of walked through and realized that um, this guy was in a really difficult relationship. All the things that I didn't like about him. I I was forced into this place of realizing that all the things that I really despised about this man were things that I really despised about myself. And so I wrote in response to this woman who was asking me how to deal with being judgmental of drinking behavior now that she didn't drink, um, was... I'll just kind of, I'll quote myself. Um, The point of this very long story is to prove one very big point to you. And that is that it wouldn't drive you so fucking crazy if you didn't still hold yourself in some judgment for having in your previous life binge drank and gotten disgustingly drunk. These are this other woman's words. If you didn't think that this new sober version of you was somehow more worthy and superior than the version of you that drank to excess, you wouldn't see those who are still engaged in your old ways as inferior or wrong, and you for sure wouldn't want to change them or think you knew better than they. And I say this part, and I quote that part, because there's this there's this part through here where where she wants to you know where she wants to tell you know where she she's just she is she's turned off by the behavior and you know and this is this is just I'm just talking about specifically turned off by the behavior she can't believe that this is in this yoga retreat and also she wants to talk to the teacher about it and I do think that one of the biggest parts of this when we start to get into judging other people doing something that we used to do and would have been stoked by possibly at some point in our previous life is that there is a part of us that um that sometimes can't forgive who we were before and then holds ourselves in this like new um we believe we're more worthy this new version of ourselves is more worthy than that version of ourselves before and yeah. so I just wanted to make that one point. There's a Debbie Ford quote that I love. The world is a mirror of our internal selves. When we can accept ourselves, we automatically accept and forgive others. And I'm not saying that this woman needs to be Mother Teresa about this whole thing and just be like, ah, you know, it was beautiful. They all, you know, but what I am saying is that she really truly um, can use this as an opportunity to possibly do some work within herself and forgive, forgive her past behavior. Um, because yeah. when we can forgive ourselves and expect, like I, you know, I've done a lot of work with this, like the whole spectrum and there's still parts of me that there's still a lot of parts of me, not with the drinking stuff, but other things that I've done, specifically things that I've done with men that I have a really hard time forgiving. Um, but like when we start to go into this work and we start to, I mean, essentially you kind of look at it like this, when you have, when you have some part of you that's, um, that's still open and wounded and not healed, it's like a big, 
it's like a big Debbie. This is this is all Debbie Ford stuff, but it's basically like you're walking around with a big um, out like a, a big plug, like a big hole. And when you yeah. when you run into other people that are demonstrating that behavior, you plug into each other because you can smell it. If you didn't mm-hmm. if you didn't recognize that other behavior, or if you didn't have a thing about this other behavior, it wouldn't plug into you. And I equate it with when I was when I when this man and I in my yoga training that you know kind of stemmed this whole piece about judgment he yelled at me and told me he didn't like me that I was a crybaby and I was a drama queen well I was I was terrified I did not I did not accept the parts of me that were that were emotional to that extent or the crybaby and the drama queenish and when he said that it just blew my circuits however I always kind of say you know if this dude had come up to me and said um you're a dumbass and you're unintelligent, I would have laughed because I don't have any insecurity or any stuff around that. I don't think I'm dumb, you know? And you would so, have recognized it as untrue, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. No hit. No hit. Exactly. There. No hit. So there's a hit there is what, like, the whole point of this is that there's some hit there. It's rubbing on some level this inability to really, like, kind of, um, you know, this wanting to kind of maybe – talk to the teacher about it or do something or the stuff, the stuff, there's something in there. And that's just a really great way for you to kind of go in and start to do some work around what am I still not forgiving? You know, what am I, what am I holding on to in here? Um, and a really, really good, uh, method to do that is, is Debbie Ford's the dark side of the light chasers. It's just working with the shadow side. It's working with the parts of ourselves that we have disowned because we don't think that they are worthy and, uh, a lot of times when we go through this we hold do hold on Hall. Um, uh, sorry no, no something um <laughs> no so what i was i mean, i think what i was saying is just um that we truly need to like it's one of it is one of the areas that i think all of us um all of us face when we're when we make this decision yeah. to stop drinking cuz it's so in our face and it's really mm-hmm. hard to forgive uh it's really hard to forgive the, the us it's it's really hard to forgive the us that did those things um you know and and that were you know that would have been right there along with all those other women you know drinking it up and then going to meditation hungover um so I would say that like it's just another great way to kind of like start pulling the thread to undo some of the stuff around this and then the last thing I will say too she also says she has a hard time respecting the teacher that I, I would as well. I mean, I think any, I think, I think even the women that were drinking might have had a hard time respecting the teacher. When we yeah. go and we're looking, you know, when when we're going and we're looking to have a safe space held, I just want to validate this point. When we're going away to a retreat, a yoga retreat, yoga means to unite. It means to yoke. It means to essentially like to connect and to connect with source. And when you step into a place like that, the teacher's responsibility, whether they drink or do drugs or whatever the hell they do, it is their responsibility to hold that space. That is the responsibility of a teacher that is inviting you to come on a journey to connect to the most truest part of yourself. And when they're throwing toxins into that, when they're throwing, you know, mind altering drugs, even if it's just wine, um, that is violating the space. So all of that being said, I do want to validate you on this point that that teacher 
that teacher was responsible for holding a safe space for all students. And when that teacher did drugs in front of you, because alcohol is drugs, when the teacher did that in front of you, she violated something. She violated, uh, she violated her, her responsibility as a teacher to hold a safe space. There's no, I don't care whether or not teachers drink or don't drink. It's a matter of when they invite you to a place and then they actually stop holding the space for you because they are unable to because they are drunk or they are drinking yeah. or they're, yeah. you know, that no, is. That, I think that last line is the perfect, perfect part. It's because you're not present when that's no. happening at, no. at that point. You're not holding the space for your students. You're not. And, and, and you basically just violated a huge, huge um you violated something that you essentially promised, you know, I mean, anybody, all people have to do is, is read the, the yamas and the yamas and realize, you know, that, that what that teacher did is not in line with, with, with what, what we do when we practice yoga and what we do when we set out to teach people yoga. So I will say the last thing leaving this off, which is whether or not you talk to her about it, that's really up to you. But I will say that that was a violation, I think a major violation. Yeah. So. Yeah, I um, I have one more point to make about the judgment too. I the part of the letter that struck me um, is where she said, "I have a hard time with small talk and being in company of people that aren't being true to themselves and being fake." And what I would say to that part is. They are being true to themselves, you know, at the, yeah. that's their truth. Yeah. This, it's not hers. And that's, you know, and that's, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. That's their truth. They're not, not being true to themselves. They're not being fake. They're being as true to themselves as she is being to her, to herself. Yeah. Uh, in that moment. And I think that's where the real rub is, um, where the real judgment comes in and, and I love that she said those words. I love that she feels that way. I love that that's, you know, she's she's saying it. That's where the, like, the the most truthful line in the letter comes in for me. Because yeah. uh, it's really hard to say things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think not only is this part of the path that everyone faces, uh, which is absolutely true, but being real about it is is how you get through it. Um, I had judgment about every single thing I've ever done in my life until I did it. And I still have judgment about it. I had judgment about mothers and how they mothered or, you know, didn't or the way that they put motherhood in their lives and, you know, how they, um, either, you know, stayed true to themselves when they became a mother or didn't, you know, my, my own thoughts about that until I became one. Yeah. I had thoughts about people who got married. I had thoughts about people who got divorced. I had thoughts about people who cheated. I what about people about who people didn't drink? <laughs> who were cheated on. I had thoughts about people who didn't drink. I had thoughts about people who are overweight. I had thoughts about people who are really skinny, you know, and the list goes on and on. Well, yeah, because we're um, judgmental. I mean, that's what humans, humans judge. That's, that's, that's what we right. do. Right, and also, <laughs> and, I, and, and I didn't understand it, you know. I didn't understand it until I got through things, and it's an ongoing thing. And um, I, I agree. Whether she wants to tell the teacher about it is totally up to her. Uh, I think this is like these things to me 
are why we have recovery groups, why we have to surround ourselves with people who are on the path. And, you know, like now she knows if she goes into something like that next time, she probably will ask specifically. Yeah, that's right. They're alcohol served and she gets to choose. That's Um, right. So I think I love this letter. I think it's it was it's so relevant and so much a part of what we all experience. I mean, I the second to last day of my work, this is a I guess I'll wrap it up with this because it kind of sums it all. <laughs> the last second to last day of work, every Thursday at my job, they have a booze boat that goes around. It's just like a cart of booze and they play music and um it happens at 3.30, like on the dot every Thursday. And this has been happening since before I got sober and up to now. And I didn't, you know, at first, I, the thing would make me cry. Even just hearing the music, like in this, you know, when I started to hear the music and like the clanking of the bottles on the cart as it was moving, I would feel so sad and so resentful and so pissed off. Um, And it moved from that to, you know, I definitely had moments of judging um, everything, judging the alcohol industry, judging people who are drinking in my office, judging people who, um, judging the industry I was in (laughs) and how fucking stupid it is, you know, it, and then my last day, I truly didn't even hear it. It wasn't until someone wrote a comment on Facebook, like in one, in our in our Facebook group, about I hope you you know gave the big middle finger to the booze boat as you walked out, and uh, I realized that I didn't even hear it on the second to last day. So, you know, but that's two years later. It's right. Like, <laughs> it takes time. It. it takes time. It does take time. It totally does. Um. All right. I think that's good. I think Yeah, I thought it was a great letter just because it was it was also it addresses two very big things, which is one, the you know, like I think it's I think it's important to look at the fact that 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 yoga and and drugs and alcohol sometimes um, there's a lot of overlap in between recovery, in between abuse, in between all sorts of things, and that um, and that it's really hard. Like it, it is. It's just it's a it's an interesting area. I also like I want to be really clear. Yoga is where I found most of my sober friends and most of my like friends and 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 meditation is where I found most of my friends um, post. You know, just at this, I was yeah. just at one, I was just at a kundalini class yesterday with my friend Carla, who I met at the meditation retreat that I was in Hawaii, you know, who I, yeah. um, you know, my, it's just, it's, it's a, my, my teacher that I'm going to go see this morning that I, I met at my local yoga studio is sober. And um, Stephanie Snyder, you can look up her TED talk. She's sober. Oh, she's my, she's her. my, like, you know, she's, she's who I took my training from. I went to the Kundalini Center in San Francisco. Kundalini's do not drink they do not drink they do not do drugs they are they are very big on that they are very big on that and so it you know like it is you know while there might be some of these boozy things and you know there's also so much area to be explored where um and there's and there's yoga specifically for recovery you know there's yoga specifically for recovery there's there's you know y12 sr and anyway so i just yeah 
I guess that's what I'll say is, is this is a great letter just because it brings up that point and it's also just a great letter because it talks about these places we go through and when it comes to, you know, finding our footing in a new world and we're faced with, with something that we have a completely different view on than most of the world and a completely different view on than we once did. Um, yeah. Those, those things all emerging in one beautiful retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband was right. All right. Cool. Bye. Bye. She's trying to play a game on the iPad. <laughs> and I don't. I, Obviously, read now. <laughs> <laughs>